With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, this is Michael Adams with the Truth. Once again, it's March the 7th, 2015. And we could try to finish this thing up. Actually, I'm very, 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 very tired. It's probably a mistake. But I'm going to try anyways. Okay. Uh, I'm going to read an article from Yahoo.com. It's Nicholas uh, Winfield, March 6th. 2015. The name of the article is Pope Meets with Chile Bishop Amid Outcries Over Appointment. Vatican City AP Pope Francis meets Friday, met Friday, with the Bishop running the Chilean diocese where there has been unprecedented opposition to the nomination of his successor, accusing him of covering up for Chile's most notorious pedophile. Surprise, 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 huh? The Vatican released no details of Francis' audience with uh, Monsignor Fernando and Natalio uh, Comalai uh, Carib. <clears throat> who has been running the Asorno Diocese temporarily since its previous bishop was transferred in 2013, which probably meant there. Usually, you find the transfers, usually you're both around pedophilia activity. In January, Francis appointed Bishop Juan Barros uh, Madrid to take over permanently, but in the ensuing weeks, some 1,300 lay faithful of Sorno. 51 of Chile's 120 national lawmakers and many of the 35 priests from the diocese urged Francis to rescind the appointment. They have accused Barros of covering up for Reverend Fernando Caradima. A prominent and charismatic priest sanctioned by the Vatican in 2011 for sexually abusing minors. A criminal complaint 
against Karadima was dismissed because the statute of limitations had expired, but the Chilean judge handling the case determined the abuse allegations were truthful. How these guys get away with their wickedness, it's only because of the hierarchy and how they all protect each other. Because, obviously, and the end of the day, they're all in cahoots together, aren't they? But those that aren't get ostracized and usually leave. Now, there's a few of them that stay in, I imagine, and try to fix things. But now we've heard now for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years how that does not happen. And hence, fellows like Luther, although excommunicated, was in the outs anyways. We're exposing the Pope as the biblical, historical, prophetic antichrist. And all I can say is behavior is such as pedophiles, having sex with young boys and girls, could not be any more, I can't think of anything more satanic. The Federal's case is being watched as a test case for Francis on the question of holding accountable bishops who cover up for pedophiles. And of course, he's going to do that. As every other Pope has. Because they're all in cahoots together. Wait until later on, not this show, but maybe later on this weekend or next week, when I read the article, which is entitled, Washington's Pope. Who is Pope Francis? That's right, Washington's Pope. Francis has already set a Vatican investigator to U.S. Diocese of Kansas City where Bishop Robert Finn pleaded guilty to misdemeanor charges of failing to report a priest who had children pornography in his computer. But the Vatican has taken no action against Finn. No bishop has ever been publicly sanctioned for having covered up for an abuser. Members of Francis' Sex Abuse Advisory Commission have said holding bishops accountable is one of their priorities and that they are drafting proposals for Francis to consider for sanctioning compromised bishops. Tell you something, my neck of the woods, they can seem worse than that. They have been accused, my neck of the woods, the town that I'm from, of not only pedophile rings, but literal satanic rings, where they have been caught red-handed practicing satanic rituals, even blood sacrifices, and actually, and it looks like even killing nuns and children, and etc. 
Roman Catholicism is not Christianity. None of what they do is Christianity. It's not of Christ. Everything they do is at enmity with Christ. By the way, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands, if not millions upon millions of cases. Not just through the United States and Canada and Western Europe, but throughout the whole world now of this pedophile rings. And somehow, it's all just bigotry. It's discrimination. Yes, yes, we are bigoted and discriminative towards pedophiles and Satanists. They commit blood sacrifices. Yes, it is not acceptable. And yes, you don't belong with us, period. And yes, God's kingdom is not of this earth. And yes, Satan the dragon gives them their power. And yes, we all have to make a decision, a firm decision, on where we stand. And does our religion that is man-made more important than God's truths? And I reassure you, whether they get their justice in this life, they know darn well they're getting their justice to come. And that's why they want to keep bringing more and more of us down, promoting lies and deceptions like futurism. Now, when we left off, we were reading about such things as the Jesuits' involvement, Darby's, and, and, and Schofield's, and others' involvement in this feature dispensationalism. And I will read once again what we left off. It kind of set me off. And I apologize to anybody that I might have offended. And my apology is very minor. Mile, mile apology. Because of me bringing up the fact of how the influence of a child, a Scottish girl's vision, was part of all this charade called dispensation futurism. In particular, talking about the two coming idea, the two comings, the great and terrible tribulation period. Anyways, let's get back to this. Maybe we can finish this up. The teaching that a terrible tribulation period, I guess I read this last before then the show, I'm going to read it again for continuity purposes, as Humphreys would say, God bless him, the teaching that a terrible tribulation period is coming after the secret catching away of the church keeps people in great fear. If this were true, 
that the Lord would come after a seven-year tribulation, the exact time of his coming would be known. Since the two comings ideas came from the Scottish girl's vision and not from scripture, you can throw out the whole argument as to whether Jesus' coming will be pre, mid, or post the seven-year tribulation period or tribulation between the comings. It is sheer imagination. Jesus said, in the world, we would have tribulation. Around the world, many are suffering now for their faith. But Jesus explicitly said that there never that there would excuse me that there never would be a repeat of the wrath of God poured out in the destruction that was just ahead for Jerusalem and the people of that very generation to whom he was speaking. Matthew 21. Thy enemies shall cast a trench about thee, compass thee around, and lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee, because thou knowest not the time of thy visitation. Luke 1943-44, he said to the woman following him as he carried the cross, weep not for me, weep for yourselves and your children. This generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. I will send them prophets and apostles, and some ye shall slay and persecute. That the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. Verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. They had murdered the prophets, God sent them, and then brought their rebellion to a climax in crucifying his son. Wrath came upon them to the uttermost. Matthew 21, verses 33 through 34. He told his, his followers that, that's not what it's saying, he, said, he told his followers that when they saw Jerusalem surrounded with armies, the people of Judah were to flee to the mountains. Luke 21, verses 20 and 21. And the Christians did. They fled to uh, Pella, in the in the Decapolis, where King Agrippa opened to them a safe asylum. This great tribulation was for a certain city, people, and nation, and had and has been fulfilled. The country was left desolate and devoid of inhabitants for over fifty years. Everything was utterly wiped out. Israel ceased being a nation. It seemed God's intentions that when the siege came, the city was packed with thousands of people who had come to celebrate Passover and were destroyed with the city. 
The people were killed, starved, crucified, and sold into slavery, and the glorious temple and all that stood for, for utterly destroyed. No country or people ever endured the wrath and judgment that came upon Jerusalem. No wonder Jesus wept over the city. This generation shall not pass until all shall be fulfilled, Matthew 24, 34. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun was darkened, and the moon will not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken, Matthew twenty-four twenty-nine. In commenting on this verse, Philip Maru says, whatever may be the force of the word translated immediately, it cannot be permitted to displace the tri uh, tribulation foretold by Christ as coming and which did come in that generation and to remove it away from the end of the age. All we assert is that regardless of the nature and severity of the afflictions which are yet to come, that particular tribulation the Lord spoke of as the great tribulation and as the days of vengeance. Matthew twenty one twenty one, Luke twenty one twenty two, Mark thirteen nineteen was the execution of divine judgment upon Daniel's people and the holy city for which God used Rome Roman armies under Titus in AD seventy. Morrow the seventy weeks and the Great Tribulation page 272. That would be an interesting book to read, in my opinion. Since the prophecies were literally fulfilled about the destruction of Jerusalem, and the following verses were not fulfilled, literally as some men assume, then there must be another interpretation of the prophecy. Such Old Testament symbols as the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars fall from heaven, were used over and over to describe the breakdown of governments, men, and authorities. Interesting. I'm still learning about Matthew 24. Don't have it all down. Remember Joseph's dream. See, this I have read this before, and I did share this. And, you know, it makes a heck of a lot more sense. Than, and it stays in continuity with the message of 24. And I've shared this with others, and they're like, it just went over one's head. And I understand it, because, you know, this is only the third time i ever heard of this. But it's more and more making sense to me. Remember Joseph's dream. He saw the sun, moon, and stars fall down from him, or before him. This was fulfilled later when his father and his brothers bowed down before him in Egypt. The destruction of Jerusalem is shown by Joel 2, 30 and 31. By wonders in heaven, darkness darkening the sun, the moon turning to blood. So it seems to apply here concerning the final destruction and desolation of the nation. The stars fell representing the downfall of the leaders. And you know what? Maybe God, Jesus really was telling the truth. 
no man knows the day and the hour, and he comes as a thief in the night. And maybe all of this stuff, we're looking for signs and trying to figure out, is it going to be 40 years or all this stuff? Maybe it's just because we just lack enough faith in believing what he actually said. Or we just have a great amount of misunderstanding. But I've heard this now a couple times, and it's really starting to ring true to me that Matthew 24 really is mostly about um, the uh, Jerusalem, uh, the Jews in Jerusalem. And what a journey this is going to be. And anybody that sticks around or comes back in five years, and I'm still doing this, I imagine how much more complete my understanding will be. It takes a long time to understand this stuff. And a whole bunch of humble pie to be swallowed. At least on my end. The Jews and Jesus were familiar with the symbolic language used by the prophets. The heavenly bodies uh, uh, typified people. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will shake the heavens, and the earth shall remove out of her place in the day of his fierce anger. Isaiah 13, 10 and 13. The heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall down as the leaf follows from the vine. Isaiah 34, 4. This was a prophecy against uh, uh, Edomina. I'm not saying this right. Excuse me. I-D-U-M-E-A. Idumia. Idumia. And I'm sure I'm not saying it right still. Also, see Joel 2, 30 and 31. Ezekiel 32, 7, and through 8, Amos 8, 9, and Isaiah 41, 15, and 16. And boy, I'm glad I'm doing this and not what I was doing a couple weeks ago on Saturday. Because I'm learning an, an immense amount more than I ever would being in the group. God bless them all. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill made low, and the crooked be made straight. Isaiah 40, 40, verse 4, was about the coming of John the Baptist. God is said to have come down in judgment many times in the Old Testament. Jesus used the same kind of language in John 14, 18. I will come to you. And in Second Peter 1, 16, these comings were not literal, the destruction of Jerusalem was to be swift as a vulture. The Roman eagle swooped down on a rotten carcass. Makes this, makes a ton of sense. This is amazing. Thank you, God. The city was ripe for judgment. Can Matthew twenty four twenty nine be literal? Immediately after the tribulation of those days, Shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not 
give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. Any more than Isaiah 44 is literal, and the mountains and the valleys moved at the coming of John the Baptist. Jesus told... uh, Jesus told Cephas that he would see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power coming in the clouds of heaven. Matthew 26, 64. He was saying in symbolic language, you will see my power manifested. It was seen in the earthquake at Golgotha, darkness during the crucifixion, the splitting of the veil in the temple when he died, the utter destruction of Jerusalem, the sun set on their kingdom, and it went down in blood as the old system was wiped out. Christians who escaped from the destruction must have felt that Jesus had truly come down in judgment, established his new covenant, and proved his royal reign. Uh, Psalms 18:19. This fulfilled the prophecy. There be some standing here which shall see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Matthew 16:18. Jesus said, this generation is not passed till all these things be fulfilled. Matthew 24, 34. If they were not fulfilled for those who look for them with uh, preconceived ideas, there must be a different interpretation of the prophecies. Jesus predicted a time would he last before his second coming, for the Jews would be scattered in all nations and Jerusalem would be trotted down until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. The kingdom of heaven was like a man traveling to a far country and altar a long time the and altar a long time I'll see if I'm seeing this right a long time the Lord would return and reckon with his servants. Matthew twenty five, fourteen through thirty. Ye know not when the master cometh. There will be wars and rumors of wars, but the end is not yet. I'm going with Jesus saying. I'm sorry. I mean, I I really enjoyed my journey with Mark. What's his name? Nicholas Arthur. And it's starting to make sense now. I was asked, you know, why all these guys are all together on that First Amendment radio, like. Eric Fels and Tom and Nicholas Arthur and all this. I now understand why, because they're all doing their own thing. It's illogical that they all get together. So, Well, I certainly hope that my friend Wakus, from Wakus from Slumber, hears this and starts to see what I see. Mm. But, of course, yeah, I don't think he heard all the the shows I had with Nicholas. And I now understand why things were so a bit of a problem as far as recordings and everything and why there was never any real conversation which is Nicholas talking over me. It's already convinced me. 
But he's right. But the more and more I read this, and the more and more I study the Bible, the more and more I realize Jesus keeps saying over and over and over and over and over again, you know not when the Master cometh. There will be wars and rumors of wars, but the end is not yet. No special signs of warning will be given. Only he will come suddenly. And we are so desperate to predict it. And I have been accused, I've been guilty of saying during Nicholas' show and reading his thing that I felt that maybe it seemed fair that if they had Daniel 70th week, that we would have something similar. Well, maybe God knows better. Not, excuse me. God does know better, and it seems to me that he is saying over and over again, we don't know when he comes. He could be today. He could come at 6 p.m. Eastern. Or he could come in another 50 years. He's God. He will determine He when he's ready, when he feels it is finished. And all the guessing in the world won't make a difference. All the quote-unquote prophesying of when he's coming will not make a difference. Because he already told us the game plan. So when we listen to these people who are saying Christ is coming tomorrow, or in, you know, 2018, and of course all the times they said prior to, we can forget, develop a wide amount of confidence in realizing that whenever we hear anybody saying that stuff, we can turn them off. We don't have to listen to them anymore. The Apostle Paul says, though we and an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Galatians 1 Eight, nine. Then Acts 20, uh, verse 27, Paul said, I have not shunned to de- declare unto you all the counsel of God. Paul preaching of the whole counsel of God did not include two separate comings, an earthly reign for a thousand years, or a rebuilt temple with animal sacrifices. So if we do see anything like that in Jerusalem, it's not of God, and I can imagine it's going to really make him angry. Even if it's not time for our Lord to come, I'm sure he will pass judgment on those who are foolish enough to slap him in the face with that. So when you hear folks like that pushing that agenda, you should listen with very skeptical ears. And yes, on my show, that has been hap- happened too. And yes, I keep telling you over and over again that I am, it's called nothing but the truth, and it's my journey to find it. Even if it means I have to stand alone in order to find that. See Hebrews 8, 9, and 10, especially verses uh, 12, 13, 14 on chapter 10. 
But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, for, for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from thenceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. It should not take a theologian to figure out that the church has been sold another gospel by teachers who support doctrines that Jesus warned against. Paul's curse is upon it. If the Lord had declared the full truth and things that are to come in the Bible, then all teaching and doctrines that are different from this is heresy. Starting from the Roman Catholic Church to all the other daughter churches. And that's the reason why we're supposed to come out of her, people. And it's a heck of a journey, isn't it? Coming out. All the times I have to keep coming out. And learning to put my faith in Jesus alone. And in his word. Everyone teaching is, it is a false prophet. Though perhaps unknowingly. Then the postponed earthly kingdom also must be classed with false theories and speculations of men. <clears throat> Many follow Schofield only because that was their early training, and this is the truth. We have all been lied to, deceived, even by people who had good intentions. It's a brutal reality. And is a source of their financial support, by the way. So once again, many follow Schofield only because that was the early training and is a source of their financial support. They have followed in the air of the rapturous, not realizing that they are in error. but longing to serve the Lord, so God brings them to a place of usefulness. He does not honor the error, but the Lord is, has given freedom, and they must find the truth. Those that rise against God in the vanity of their own minds and false doctrine and exalt their imaginations above the word of God, he will laugh to scorn. Now is coming the shaking. Now is coming the loosening when the bands of deception are being loosed. Many leaders are seeing it, for it is happening now. Those that are in error would like to have the place of acceptance of accepted and unchallenged teachers. They shall not have it. The sword of the Lord is in this battle for truth. It cannot be uh, sheathed by man. God put the ministry gift in the church. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, 
government diversities of tongue. 1 Corinthians 12.28 Schofield took it upon himself to remove them. Schofield note SRB 1917-1967 on uh, 1 Corinthians 14.1 and 2 Tongues and the signs sign gifts are to cease. That's part of the reason why some reasons don't see it. Uh, Thus he takes the spiritual equipment of the Holy Spirit provided for Christians to carry on his work and leaves them sitting at the bus stop waiting for the Lord to snatch them out of the mess the world is in by a secret rapture. They forget that Jesus is to sit in the right hand of the Father until all enemies are put under his feet. The very truth of the Bible has been destroyed. The alarm should have been sounded in 1909 when the boundaries were broken on all sides and the church accepted unscriptural teaching as truth. We must take back our Bibles and return to the apostolic foundation. The word is clear and specific. To put the 70th week off to the end of time takes the heart out of the gospel and makes a mockery of the visitation of the Messiah who wrought our salvation in that one special week. It is time for all church, all the church, to search the scriptures deeply, do some research on church history, and rethink its positions on prophecy. A long-needed reformation has begun. Now I hope that is the case. Okay, guess who? Great. Yeah, it would be kind of interesting, wouldn't it? Talk more about this. Um, Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Well, I've done it. This is kind of a bit of a short show. I don't know. Guess two, you're there. Do you, would you like me to read some more? We actually have finished this article, but I could read some more. It's off topic, but I can read some more. You did respond. Would you like me to read some more? If you do, I will read. Of all things... Oh, maybe I won't. Where did it go? All right, let's try this again. I got so many things to share, so many things to read. All right, let's see what happens. Once again, Nick, uh, David Nikeo did an interesting uh, posting uh, on his End Time Bibles Prophecy Facebook page. Oh, by the way, too, I strongly recommend 
that as far as you want to hear more about this stuff and kind of associate with other people of similar like minds, uh, historicism.com does have a Facebook page. And if you check it out, I'll join it. It's not very popular, but people ask some pretty important questions and relevant questions that mean something. So, yeah, you know, I don't think I'm going to read this. I think I'm done with the show for now. I think we finished this series, part six. Um, Cool. Who are you guest? Who are you guest to? You sound familiar. Yeah, maybe I'll read this anyways. So Nick, David, Nikhail, I'm changing my mind again. Sorry for being flippy floppy, but you know I've been doing all these recordings for the past. What I started last night. I wanted to really get this series done because I'm going to get back to. Uh, I would like to finish the other one. Uh, uh, once again, uh, uh, Catholicism slash Islam connection. Because there's a lot of good things to read and to hear and to think about. And anyways, here's what uh, Nick, uh, David Nikeo says: Second Thessalonians two says, "Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God." The title of the Pope, which confirmed that the office of the papacy stands as Antichrist, as he is the man of sin, the son of perdition. And anybody that says they are the vicar of Christ is a flat-out, bold-faced liar. The representative or vicar of Christ, that which stands for Christ, is, his, is the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Ghost. He told us that. So we have no need to buy into that one bit, that one bit, one one I don't know. So, you know, common sense. Even if you didn't know these things, should tell you this. Any man that calls himself as godlike, God, standing in God, you would normally mark them as a madman. You would say you're a nutcase, and I'm probably not going to waste my time hanging out with you. Uh, I'm. We are going to like go different directions, and hopefully we never cross paths again. Yet, hundreds of million, maybe 1.2 billion and more, think this guy, called the Pope, is God's representative on earth. And I think I'm not going to read this. What I think I'm going to do is later on tonight, and since this is my show, and I am allowed to change my mind and my my opinion about things, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tie this in, and before I actually get started back on the uh, connection with Roman Catholicism and Islam, what I think I'm going to do I was going to read that article that I mentioned earlier. Washington's Pope. Who is Pope Francis first? Along with this, and I 
think this will be a great study. And I know this shows to talk a lot about the Pope and the Pope, the Pope, the Pope, the Pope, the Pope, and the Antichrist, but there's a good reason for it. An absolutely good reason for it. And what I hope in this show is that unlike other organizations, because this is not an organization, it's just me, but my hope is unlike guys like Walter Beef and the Simply Adventists, uh, or all these other little churches, church groups, so I can share you this truth without the BS and trying to convince you to join anything. And just teach you what comes to me and what I learn, and we grow together in the faith in the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Scriptures, and that we understand our world much better. And that I don't, you know, you know, the thing that's really has disturbed me, and I guess it's all part of the growth process, is the fact that so much, I mean, it's like this whole bait and switch tactics that they use, and it's not solely just the stuff they have in it, it's a sales technique that's been used for many, 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 many centuries. And, you know, they give you some truth, and then they mix their error in it, try to get you to come aboard and be part of their group. You pay their your taxes. Uh, yeah, might as well be taxes, because a tithe is a form of tax, especially is to a group that's not really of God. And oh, here's another thing, too. This, this is the Sabbath, and I consider it the Sabbath. I want people to be to understand, at least from what I could understand at this point. Observing the Sabbath is not the same thing as going to a church, going to a worship service. As far as and as different as night and day. What the Seventh-day Adventists have done with the Sabbath is to Romanize it, slash paganize it. They've turned it into a man-made religious tradition. And it is no different than these Baptists that I just got done reading to you about who follow this uh, Schofield nonsense. And it's not just the Baptists. There's a lot of other ones. But the Baptists are the primary ones that I have come in contact with that really want to push this stuff. Now, a lot of non-denominational churches do the same thing. In fact, a lot of churches all do it. They push this whole futuristic nonsense down our throats. But I just wanted you to remember, that's, you know, resting in the Lord is not the same thing as going to church and being entertained. And this whole thing about sun worshiping on Sunday has got some cracks in it. It really does. I've allowed my guests on my show to grow together to learn the more and more I put the pieces together, you know, the average person isn't worshiping the Son. I really think they're actually trying to worship Jesus Christ. I think probably most of them are just looking like most to belong, be a part of something greater than themselves. But, you know, what day of the week that you actually go to church really has no relevance? The more and more you think it out and think it through, like this whole Sunday law of nonsense. 
I'm not saying they're not going to pass a Sunday law. There are countries, certainly in Europe, that are doing that and have done that. But the same institutions that want those passed have Saturday services and, you know, services all throughout the week. So what is the real issue? What is the real issue? The more and more I do this and come to realize the Sabbath really is just that, hanging out with God. Did I do a good job this Sabbath? You know, as time goes on, I'm going to find out if I did the right thing by doing this show. Maybe I'm not even supposed to be doing that. Maybe I'm just supposed to be chilling out, hanging out with the Lord. I do feel very much connected right now with the Lord doing this. But am I actually doing his will? How simple is the Sabbath? Like all of God's commandments, they're all, in the end, are very elementary and simple. And are not in need of man's philosophy or morality to really explain them. I think most people understand thou shalt not kill. Deep down in their souls, they know, and in their hearts, they know what it means thou shalt not kill. Or honor thy parents, thy father and thy mother, and everything else that actually being said there. You might need a little help defining the words being used, but once it's heard, most people understand the concept. So how complicated, really, would the Sabbath be? Why would there be this, all this religious tradition and ritual around it? Why would it be necessary for God? Who would it be necessary for? Once again, who benefits the most? The peace the priest class. Anyways, yeah, what I think I'll do is later on today, I got nothing else better to do. I don't have my son, and I'm starting to feel better. I've gone through a heck of a time this past month, and I'm really on fire today. And I really do want to do these recordings, because I don't know what the rest of the next week's going to be like. I've got to spend a lot of time taking care of my son and help me amending myself. And I really don't want to just sit around by myself today doing nothing. So I appreciate the guests who showed up during these recordings. And I say probably in a couple hours I will, if not sooner, maybe in an hour, I'll start over a new recording and do this about Washington's post, Pope. Now, I understand that, you know, there's this issue, too, about me doing all these recordings one batch that because I'm not spreading it out, um, no, people would not pay attention normally that would. But the problem is there's so much to talk about and so much little time to do it. So I don't know what else to do but just keep on cranking them out with the hopes that people listen. I'm not looking for popularity. I'm not looking for a following. 
what I'm hoping is that we learn together. And I really, really would like to, to keep working on this whole idea of this having people join me who are capable of having a conversation with these matters. And so far, I have failed drastically at it, except for probably Wakeis and, um, and Chris, Chris Lucas. Uh, I have failed drastically. The other person uh, is, is actually, of all, is James Japan. Uh, it's, uh, I believe that me and, he and I could have actually a conversation together. A learning, growing conversation together, but and I'm not knocking all the rest of the guests for say. I think it's because I've chose people with very strong personalities, and actually there's even stronger personalities that I certainly would have tried to add on the show. But you know, really, what I want is a conversation. What I want is to be able to fellowship and talk about these things, and not you know. Just you know, dominate and control each other, but learn and grow together. Now, once in a while, you do have somebody who has a heck of a lot to say, but then there's that fine line that where do you go? What's the point when you say that? Where's the cutoff point? And that's what I'm learning. So it's like it's a point where you know, like the Tom Fres had a lot of things to say. But then things guys started getting weirder and weirder and weirder and weirder and weirder. You know what I mean? To a point that, you know, they're saying that stuff like, uh, a revol- you know, st- I've already talked about the Revolution 13 and all this other stuff. But there's just things being said that just, you know, for somebody that so values intellectual honesty, how can you say the things that you're saying and still be intellectually honest? And it's okay to be wrong. I mean, and to say, you know what? You know, I made a mistake. I faux pas. I screwed up. I rethinking what I said. I went down the wrong direction. Listen, this whole show has been all about that for me. <laughs> but, you know, this is the journey. So, you see, I I love the situation that I'm in for numerous reasons. But the biggest thing is because I'm not trying to be a pastor I'm not trying to be a priest. I'm not trying to control anybody. And this is not, you know, dependent on, it's not about a purse string and about personal earthly rewards. I just want to know the truth. And so I, I have the right to make mistakes, admit I'm wrong, and move on. And it's a great place to be. And what I really like to do is be with other people that are in this frame of mind, mindset, who are willing to be in this, you know, that place themselves in that position so that we actually kind of learn and grow together instead of trying to dominate each other and say, you know, I got it all right and you don't and this and that and every other nonsense that happens, which I see is a huge part of the problem with the body of Christ today which makes it so easy for us to end up being manipulated and used because once you get into this, you get into a group, you start investing your time and energy, your emotions, 
You start caring about these people. Next thing you know, ultimatums are being put on you. And you're like, if you really are a lover of the truth, and you really are searching for it, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna fight back. You're gonna say no, and you're, and then you're gonna be ostracized, kicked out, and then you're gonna have to go through all that again. And I know how painful that is. I don't know if there's any way even to prevent it. Maybe it's God's way of just keep on refining us to a point where we finally really come to absolute acceptance that he is the way, truth, and life. And that's it. And let's face it, there's many times when we say that, that we're saying that, but do we fully comprehend what we're saying? That he is the way, the truth, and the life. And I would argue, well, at least I can say for myself, I don't. And I've never met a person yet who did. And that's not a knock on anybody. I think that's the state that we're in. And I really believe it depends on how driven you are to actually understand what that means. That you will come to a more fuller understanding. And of course, we do not dwell in heaven with the Son and the Father. So, how could we have a full, complete understanding? I mean, it just how could we? But I believe, at least for me, my desires, my passions have changed in my life. Whereas a couple of years ago, it was about my music, my art, and knowing the worldly truth. To now, I, music, art really don't matter, and I really want to know God's truth. <laughs> I really do. I really want to know. And at times it's maddening because, you know, there's so many different opinions out there. And, you know, we do need to have some teachers along the way. We do need people to kind of point, explain a little bit here and a little bit there. And uh, the problem is, is then choosing the right teachers, and there's an awful lot of the wrong teacher out there. And I'm not claiming for one bit, folks, that I'm the right teacher. So don't Take me wrong. Now, when I read this stuff to you, I'm sharing my journey with you of my discoveries and what I'm learning. I am not your teacher. I am not your superior. I am just just another guy, just another man, just another person, just another... As they all say, goes just another bozo on the bus. And I'm just trying to make sense of it all. So, anyways, I've. There was some protest, someone can't remember. I can't remember what news said where people were chanting Muslims go home. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm very interested in that article uh, and hearing it. Well, I, I read earlier, a earlier episode about uh, 
uh, this is, I'm talking now to the guest too. I don't know if he's listening to me, but or she's listening to me. But um, <clears throat> about uh, Billy Graham's son making the anti-Semitic comments. But I do know. I think I do know what you're saying. I think it's had something to do with uh, Kansas City, and there's more articles about that. Maybe I'll read more about that. Uh, you know, I haven't really looked. much into it because well it's one of those things that I was hoping to tie into the uh, uh, I keep forgetting it Catholic slash Islamic connection and I keep putting it off too don't I because there's so many things to talk about but uh I will get busy. Maybe even tonight. If not tonight, for sure tomorrow, I will start again on that Catholic slash Islamic connection because there's a ton of good information out there. Uh, there's, you know, there's some interesting reads. And um, I'm rephrasing it. I shouldn't say a ton of information, but there's. I found some good information. I sure God will keep on revealing, revealing more information so but I will keep that in mind guess too I will add that to the discussion when we start once again on the Catholic slash Islamic connection and I'll try to bring up the thing that's going on over there I believe it's Kansas if it's not Kansas it's uh, something like that in that neck of the woods. So, And who knows how much of it is just government psychops type of thing, you know what I mean? I mean, there are so many, so much things going on. Anyways, I'm going to end this for now, and I will be back in an hour or two hours. We'll start that other thing about Washington's Pope. Oh, okay. There we go. There it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you come back in an hour, I need to re- I need to eat, relax, and all that kind of thing. In an hour, I'll come back if hour or so, whatever. Check and see if I'm there, and I will. Uh, that's the next thing I'll be doing is Washington's Pope, and it's a fascinating story. Oh my goodness, is it fascinating? <laughs> and it's not just gossip. When you see this man's connections with the Bushes and the fascism, and with um, what happened in Argentina with the 35,000 people that were killed in an Inquisition, and it goes on and on and on, you're just like, this stuff is just never going to end, is it? It's never going to end until Christ says it's going to end. When he says this is enough. And then he'll come as a thief in the night. That's the way it goes. That's the gig. So, anyways, we'll talk later. Thank you, Cass, for at least uh, interacting with me and... uh,
don't know who you are, but thank you anyway, so. <laughs> Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.